Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. God is good.
Amen. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. And I believe at this time, I think our children are dismissed, or are they already, have they already departed? Are the children gone? Miss Jackie? Oh, there we go. It's Jeff's back. You may Jim. Good morning, Hillside. Who's excited to be in church today? Ooh, you guys are sounding oh, yeah. good. Well, I think it is time to get ready to send our kiddos down to kids' church. So if you are in grades K through five, would you stand to your feet? All right, are you guys ready? You now can go to the back where the double doors are. Miss Jackie is waiting for you. Everybody else, hey, can we give our kiddos a standing ovation as they head downstairs? Woo! All right. Well, it's time for me to go. I got to get downstairs with those kiddos. You guys have a great worship experience this morning. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hallelujah. It's so nice to have Pastor Joel and Rosalie back. And uh, we just got one question for you today, Pastor and Rosalie. Did you get your daughter married last Sunday? Hallelujah. Let's give them a thank offering to God for bringing that couple together. <clears throat> and uh, Pastor, won't you bring the word of God this morning as you come? I got, I've got a question. Um, Jeb, I see him from time to time. Is, is Pastor Eric the voice of Jeb? Oh, it is. Okay, we... <laughs> well, I heard Jeb say I got to check with Pastor Eric first, so I, <clears throat> you never know. Well, if I would like to say hi to Pastor Eric if he's watching. If I were him, I'd be watching to make sure this guest speaker didn't mess up the church too bad. So <clears throat> we're, we're trying to do our best, Pastor and. Pastor's our lead pastor. He's on sabbatical, and he's asked me to just to fill in for him for eight weeks, and he'll be back the first of next month. So, hello, if you're watching. If you're not, you should be, okay. <laughs> I would be. Billy Graham. I got another story about Billy. It's probably not true either, but Billy Graham had all these overseas crusades for decades, many decades. And often when he'd be gone for two or three weeks, when he flew back, his uh, limo driver would pick him up at the airport. So one, one time he came in and he said to the limo driver, you know what, I've always wanted to drive a limo. Could I drive the limo? And you can sit in, so he said, that'd be great. So the chauffeur goes way in the back of this, uh, limo, all the dark glass, you can't see in there. And Billy Graham takes off. Well, he's going too fast. Highway Patrol pulls him over, comes to the window, recognizes him as Billy Graham, but doesn't say anything. 
goes back to his car, calls, calls his dispatcher. He said, you know, we've got a celebrity out here. A lot of times you let him go as a courtesy. And he said, well, who is it? Well, it's, it's pretty big. Is it the mayor? No. Is it the governor? No, bigger. Is it the president? No, bigger than that. He said, well, who's in the back? Well, I can't tell because the windows are all dark. Well, who do you think? He said, I think it's Jesus back there. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, he's got Billy Graham as a chauffeur. So. <laughs> Probably didn't happen, but it's a nice story. Anyway. Message, I'm going to talk about today the kind of the cost of being a disciple of Christ. And we're going to talk about uh, some people are, are customers only, some people are disciples or investors into the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk about how that plays out. You know, many years ago when communism took over in Romania, they started to ban all the churches, ban Christianity. Well, there was a pastor there by the name of, of Wombrandt. He, was, he pastored an evangelical church, born-again church. When he wouldn't give up Jesus, they threw him in prison. A pretty bad experience in prison. While he was in prison, he heard the this, this, this story that a lot of his fellow pastors, his fellow evangelical church pastors that he knew well, a lot of them joined the Communist Party and became leaders in the Communist Party. And so he's riding away in this horrible jail, feeling horrible, not so much that he was in prison. He made that choice to stick with Jesus. What bothered him was all these buddies of his that were pastoring evangelical churches, some of them went with communism and became leaders in the Communist Party. And he's bothering him. He prayed about that a lot. And finally, God said this to him. He said, some people are only customers of Jesus. And they like what they can get, as we all do, from Jesus. But when the crunch time came, they realized there's some real good offers here with the Communist Party. I could be a leader, have all the amenities. And God kind of said to him, some people are customers. Some people are disciples or investors. And, and if we don't get to the disciple part, it's easy to trade Jesus and Christ for communism or something else. And so I'm going to kind of go over this today for a little bit and, and see what God has for us here. Let's, let's look at Luke 14, 27, the first verse we'll look at. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. To carry a cross and to bear the cost of Christianity, especially in some countries around the world, you've got to be more than just... Uh, a customer. You need to be a disciple, an investor. I, I, I'm part of the kingdom of God. I'll give my life for it if I have to. I'll sacrifice some things if necessary. Well, that only happens to people that are willing to invest themselves into this thing. And today we have both kinds of peoples in our churches. Some are customers. In fact, we're all customers, okay? I'm always going to be a customer. But I don't want to stop my relationship just at the customer stage. And they like a lot of what comes with Christ. Some forgiveness, some joy, some peace, some fellowship with other good people, 
and maybe some healing a little. Boy, I like, I like what I get from being around Jesus and being around Jesus' people. And most people would kind of like that part, the customer part. When it's time to pick up my cross and, and count the cost, well, that, I'm not so sure then. That's kind of what happens with customers of Christ. Uh, see, if Jesus is our Savior first. Okay. That's where we all started. At some point, he has to become our Lord, okay? And that's the commitment part. That's the disciple part. That's where I'm investing myself. He's my Lord. He's taken over my life. I answer to him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's part of the lordship. That's part of the discipleship, the investment into the kingdom of God. And if people just want to be customers, uh, at some point, they're going to kind of fade away because in a bit we have to find him as our Lord. And that's, that's a whole other shift of our mind and our commitment to who God is and what he is. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a customer. I'm going to be a customer until I croak, okay? Uh, we, all, we all are. But it doesn't stop there. Now, there's nothing wrong with the customer part. I mean, Jesus said in that prayer he gave us, the kind of a model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's customer. And that's fine. I'm always going to need things from the Lord, but I want to get to the place, too, as we all do or have, I'm investing myself into the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm a disciple now. I'm an investor. I've given my life over to this whole thing. That's where the Lord said, you know, take my yoke upon you. Uh, he said, my burden's light. It's not, gonna, it's not a killer, but you have to take my yoke upon you. There's, there's responsibilities that come my way to be in the kingdom of God. And to bear the cross and to count the cost, uh, that's a little bit different. I don't want to. I don't want to ever, at some point, say, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm done being a disciple. You know, I've been a disciple this far, and I, that's far enough. Okay, I think as, as long as we're born again people, and He's our Lord, I'm always going to kind of be an investor, a disciple. There's always growth there. You know, none of us are perfect yet. Anybody who thinks they're perfect, raise their hand. You just lied, okay, if you didn't know. I'm glad nobody raised their hand. <laughs> There's always room for growth. I want to get in further into the kingdom of God. I, this came to my mind last night when I was studying my notes again. Where Paul, this mature Christian, totally committed to Christ, totally an investor, a disciple, he says, on more than one occasion, but he said it very clearly, that I may know him. Well, what does that mean? I mean, don't you know him, Paul? You're, you're a missionary. You're a church planter. You're willing to spend months in prison, horrible dungeons, chained, beaten. Your back is bloody from being beaten, and you're in a cell, your hands and your feet. I would think he knew him. But that was still his call. I thought, boy, if Paul needs to know him more, I need to know him more. A, a committed, a disciple, an investor into what is called us to be and what he calls us to do. He can count on us. You know, when a baby's born, <clears throat> there's nothing quite like that. This little baby, you 
Can't wait to see the baby, to hold the baby, to smell what a baby smells like, fresh life. You know, a baby is a total, total customer, 110% customer. It needs to be fed, it needs to be changed, it needs to be bathed, it needs to be held, it needs to be sung to. Total customer. Always. And that's perfect for a baby. That's exactly what a, how strange it would be when the baby is born and he's, he's walking and he's making his own breakfast. I mean, that would be sci-fi. <laughs> Do-do-do-do. No, they, they can't do anything. Customer, total customer. But you project that child now to be 10 years old and it still needs to be bottle fed and changed. Now that's not, that's tragedy. And it's easy for some people to become customers of Jesus and just kind of stay there. And after a while, that's not right, you know. God's looking for disciples People committed, people investing themselves into the kingdom of God. You see, if I only interpret the cross as how it benefits me personally, if that is, and it does benefit me personally, my needs, my victory, my safety, my security, that's true. But if I stop there, I remain kind of a, a customer forever. Once we hear about submission, that's discipleship. Count the cost. Pick up the cross. Your will be done. It's not just mine. I, I give up some things that, because I want to serve you. When the scripture talks about things I need to get rid of, the weights and the sins, and God's spirit puts a conviction to me, I want to obey that. I want to get rid of that stuff. I want to mature. I want to grow. That's no longer just a customer. That's a disciple. That's somebody giving, getting into Christ more. There's a, there's a lot of superficial ministry and some cable networks. I, I go around and see what's on there sometimes. and some of, some of these internet cable ministries are pretty much customer-oriented. You know, it's all, these guys aren't going to raise a lot of money to support their ministry. If they talk about bearing your cross and giving up and some, you know, that, they've got a different kind of gospel. It's, I call it ear candy, okay? Uh, airbrushed religion. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of just the customer part, and it's almost like a Happy Meal drive-through thing. I want my Happy Meal drive-through sermon, but uh, you know, don't expect too much of my. Don't demand any. I don't want to get that far where I give up my life, I give up myself, I give up a lot of things to serve Jesus. The thing is, once we get into that stage, we find out how fulfilling that is, because that's where the Lord wants us. That's where the Holy Spirit is directing us into giving ourselves up for Him, to serve Him. It's not my will, Lord. It's what you want done in my life. You know, a couple of the Gospels, I think Mark and Luke, I'm not sure which two, but have a, have a, a, a view of the disciples when they're alone, kind of. 
And they're asking themselves, which one of us is going to be the greatest? Which one of us is going to be? It's almost like, pick me, pick me, you know. And Jesus found out about this discussion. And he told them that the first is going to be your servant, is going to give up things. It's, it's going to be different than you think. And he kept going on and on and saying how, how the first person, the person that's first, in fact, a couple of those guys wanted the two best seats in heaven. Can you imagine that gall? One of the, we want to sit in your right hand and your left hand, Jesus, in heaven. And Jesus said, well, those are assigned by my father. He said, are you willing to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? They said, yes. Well, they were going to drink that cup, but didn't know it. Jesus was saying, the, the, greatest, the greatest is a servant. The greatest gives up the life. I think once Jesus gave them those instructions, I'm so, I would think they were probably sorry they asked the question. See, just before that, in both the Gospels, Jesus had said, soon they're going to kill me. The Gentiles are, I'm going to the cross. Right after that, in both the Gospels, the disciples kind of forgot that part, wanted to know who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be, they somehow missed the cross part until Jesus kind of explained to them some of this is going on. And uh, Let's look at Matthew 10, beginning at verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. Be on guard, your guard. You will be hated. Ha not hated. That's coming later. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Be on your guard. You will be... Next one. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Sounds like a disciple. The student is not above the teacher, nor his servant above his master. And so Jesus is now talking to his disciples, who were disciples, who were going to eventually, most of them, give their lives horribly for Christ. They could do that because they were disciples. They were investors. They were not just customers. Customers aren't going to put up with all that stuff. Customers are going to be gone when you demand too much out of me. Disciples are hanging in there till the end, sometimes the bitter end, and a lot of them did. Let's look at Mark 10, beginning at verse 17. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit? He wanted eternal life. He wanted that. He was asking for that. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. We know, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Notice that part. This man's going to turn away and reject Jesus. 
But Jesus loved him. This man had it somehow sensed that love. One thing you lacked, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This time the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He wanted to be a customer. Tell me how to get eternal life. That's what I want. I want eternal life. Of course, everybody does. Jesus gave him some of the criteria here, and he went away sad. Now, he made a decision. Notice Jesus loved him, it says. But when he went away sad, Jesus didn't run down the road after him. It's kind of interesting. The man made a decision. It was his decision. He had a right to make his own decision. And he went away. And I thought, you know, the demands of Christ sometimes seem a little unusual and maybe a little bit too strict, but that's how he did it. That's what he said to this man. And he, he wanted eternal life, but he didn't want to be a disciple. He wanted to be a customer, but he didn't want to be a disciple. And I think it's easy to fall away for people that are only customers. Because once things get a little tough, now we're, we're all kind of born here in a, in a cocoon called America. The only attack we've ever had on our soil was 9-11. And I think I mentioned this last week. You know, we live in little towns. I live in Wapaka, about similar size, more or less, to Ripon. It's a cocoon. I'm probably not going to have to give my life for Jesus. At least not at my age. I, I don't know what's going to happen if Jesus doesn't come back for another 20 years. But uh, it's kind of easy to be a customer and to kind of stay there because nobody's going to put a gun to my head and say, give up Jesus or you die, or lock the church. We're going to burn the church down as they're doing in India and other places. Uh, you know, a third of the world's population lives in India and China. We talked about this a bit last Sunday. A third of the world have no freedoms to worship. Uh, I think we find a higher percentage of disciples in those countries because it's going to cost them something, you know. Uh, I don't want to go through that. Uh, I hope we never do. I, who knows what's coming down the pike in the future, but it's easy, it's easy to be a customer in our society because nobody is going to force me to make a decision for Jesus or something else. And I think that's why I think that the church as a whole is not that strong in America because we kind of got an easy ride right now. Uh, the times when the church has been the greatest, strongest, is under great persecution. Because you don't have any hangers on now, okay? If, if I've got to go to prison or I've got to give up this, either I'm a disciple or I'm gone. Customers don't put up with that kind of stuff. And I've studied revivals. I've studied things. We had a speaker at our camp a couple of years ago. His name was Brogdon. 
this may be back eight, ten years now or so. I knew this boy. I really knew his father. I went to Bible college with his dad. He went to places in, in, uh, in Africa where nobody wanted to go. He went to some of these places where they were killing Christians and burning down churches. And he just he said, I, I, I live dead. I'm dead to myself. I'm just alive. I'm going to go in there. And he told this story. He said, some little town where he was, uh, he said, they arrested the pastor of one of our churches because he wouldn't give up Jesus. They kept warning him a few times. He wouldn't do it. So they grabbed him, put him in prison, and were going to execute him in a few days. Well, the day they were going to take him out and, and shoot him, they made him walk by his house with the soldiers that were going to kill him. They, they made him walk by his house on the way out to be shot. And when he went by his house, here's his wife and all his kids standing at the road cheering for him. We love you. We believe in you. God's good. And they were cheering and excited that a man could give his life for Jesus and they went out and shot him. Here's his family cheering him on. I mean, you talk about disciples. <laughs> you talk about people that invested themselves into the kingdom this family had. Now, I'm sure they were sad. I'm sure they were going to miss him. Of course they would. But there was an overriding thing going on in their lives of what was going to happen here. Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. He replied, first, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Let's just stop here for a second. I don't think his father had died and he wanted to go bury him. The thought is here, I want to... I want to live until my father gets old and dies, so I'll see you later, Jesus. Well, that wasn't going to work. He said, he said let, the, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts hand to the plow looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. These, these demands look uh, a little unreasonable at times. But it meant more then, at that time. Uh, the church was under great persecution then, as we know. They eventually killed all the disciples. This generation was going to see Jesus die. Uh, so that it was more of a price to pay to be a committed Christian back then. And these demands seem to be unreasonable to a customer, but not to God. You know, Jesus told a story about a farmer going out to sow in the field. It's kind of a parable. Some by the wayside. Then he talked about some seed fell among the rocks. In other words, there was a little topsoil and a lot of rocks underneath. Well, the sun would keep that soil nice and warm. Those plants would sprout up quickly, very easily. 
But when the sun came out and it was too hot, they died because they had no roots. Okay. They had no roots. A customer doesn't have a lot of roots. They're getting a lot of nice things, which is wonderful. And I still want those nice things that come from Jesus. But there was no roots. There's there nothing deep. There's no commitment as a disciple, as an investor in the kingdom of God. And it just wasn't working. And, you know, as we look at this today, I think about Demas in the Bible. Demas was a disciple of Paul, really. Followed him around. Can you imagine the hundreds or thousands of people he saw get saved? People healed. Paul even raised the dead once. He's a missionary. He's a church planter. He sees all this, the power of God, and he must have only been a customer because this is what the Bible says. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed. No roots, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of like these people in Romania trading in Christ for communism. Demas traded in Christ for the gifts and the lure of what the world offered him. Somehow that seemed a better deal than following Jesus and maybe having to give up my life for something someday or go to prison like Paul did. He made a decision there. I just don't like that. Now, I'm not against being a customer. But I don't want to stop being a customer. I need to go on further and to see what God's going to do and what God, the fulfillment that comes in being a committed disciple, investor in the kingdom of God. Nothing quite like that, folks. And when you get to that stage, you're willing to do anything. I've had people in our various churches say, you know what? I don't know if I could stand and have some guy's going to shoot me if I don't give up Jesus, I don't know if I could do that. My answer is this. If you're really a disciple, you'll be able to do it. You don't have to do it right now. I don't have to be ready for that. But when that time comes, if I'm a committed disciple to Christ, I'll be able to do that. I'll be able to stand there and give my life if it ever needed to be there. I don't have to do that today. Maybe my whole lifetime. I'll never have to. But... If I'm a follower and a disciple and an investor in Christ and the kingdom of God, I'll be able to do that when the time comes. I mean, Jesus told the disciples, when you're called before the courts, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll help you say the right thing. Okay. I don't have to do that today. If it happens in, tomorrow, God said, I'll help you. I'll be there and you'll, I'll tell you what to say. If I face a firing squad someday, well, I don't know if I... Yes, I'll be able to do that if I'm a disciple. <laughs> if I'm an investor in the kingdom of God, that'll be, that'll be something that I can do. <clears throat> you see, in closing, <clears throat> see, when I close this, it might mean I, I'm done, but I might open it again. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let me see what I'm going to say next. <laughs> I, don't, I don't just want to... <clears throat> enjoy the prayers of other Christians, the financial sacrifices of other Christians, the fasting. I don't want you to enjoy. I want to be a part of that, you see. And a customer for a while is going to enjoy the prayers of the, of the church or the, the saints. 
He's going to enjoy the fact that some of them have fasted and prayed. Some of them have sacrificed financially to see the church here today. I don't want to just be a recipient of all that. I am, kind of. But I want to be one of those who is praying, who is fasting, who is investing, who is giving my time and finances and ministering in the church with the children, with the teens, with the adults. Outreach. Cleaning the toilets. Vacuuming the rugs. Cutting the grass. Being a, a, an usher. I mean, I want to be a part of all that. I want to invest myself not just in joy, <clears throat> the price everybody else paid, which I do, but I want to be a part of the giving into that process, surrendering myself into that process, and be a, a continually growing disciple investor. Customer, sure. Disciple, absolutely. And so God, God lead us on in this area and help us to be continually growing as disciples and investors into the kingdom of God. Worship team, you're next. We'd like to sing a hymn that some of you know. It's called The Lily of the Valley. And I believe we've got a hymn sing coming up out at the Solars. Uh, what's the date on that of this month? July 18th, out at the Solar Farm at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. So we've got a hymn sing there. And uh, we'd like to sing The Lily of the Valley. The lily of the valley. I have found a friend in Jesus. But he's not just our friend, but he's, Pastor Joel said, our Savior, our Lord, our Master. We are to be his servants. You who wants to be greatest must be the servant of all. Amen. found a friend in Jesus. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The holy of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me strong and mighty town. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Oh, all the world forsake me and Satan tempts me sore. Through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. 
bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me. While I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his banner, he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever flow. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star.
close with a song this morning that Katie and I were singing on uh, Thursday over at Life Fest, and there was just some great music this last weekend in, in Oshkosh, and, and it included all of our tastes, believe it or not. I mean, just all different kinds of music, and uh, my friend sitting next to me, uh, those of you who are David Crowder fans, he... Uh, he had a little hymn sing. He sang I'll Fly Away, which Robbie led us in a few weeks ago for Father's Day. He sang I Saw the Light. And, you know, everybody was standing and clapping and singing. My friend sitting next to me said, it took a hymn to get everybody standing and clapping and singing. I'm like, can't argue with that. But this song is called Holy Water by We the Kingdom. We are the kingdom of God. Amen, people of God.
water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Do you need him today? God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like need you. If you haven't been born again, today's your day. So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my Father God, Lord, may we not walk out of here the same way we came in. We have been challenged today by the Word of God. The children have been hearing the gospel. Bring your children. 
We love our children here at Hillside. We want to minister to them with Miss Jackie and her team. You know, they say that that people that come to know the Lord earlier may have a chance of being a disciple throughout their life. Some of us came midterm, some come later, but God accepts us all. But receive that challenge, and like I say, often we have to look inside our hearts, see what's there. Let me just ask the question. I got my eyes closed, but any of you know that there are changes that we need to make to follow Jesus closer? We don't want to be those hangers-on that, like Pastor Joel said, when, when Jesus said to take up the cross and follow me, there were times Jesus said some things and people were offended. They left. They walked away from Jesus. God, help us this day, Lord to be fully committed to you because the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. God, help us to do that. Holy Spirit, we cannot love Christ like that unless we allow you to work in our hearts and lives, Holy Spirit, who has come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. God, we thank you for that indwelling spirit that confirms with us that we are children of God. In closing in prayer from 2 Thessalonians 3.16, that's not John 3.16, but 2 Thessalonians. This is our dismissal. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all.
makes me wanna change.